heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through this morning on this very busy show. We're going to give you a Queensland origin side. It's just been named and the big story is that Kalen Ponga has not been selected. It'll be a discussion point and one that we all want to talk about throughout the course of the morning or we will catch up with Peter Bedell very shortly. Robbie Catter, the meteorite that was in northwest Queensland, he'll join us as well. We'll catch up with Lisa Alexander and much, much more. It's a big show for you. Rural Queensland today. It's the 22nd of May across the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. Enjoy the show. Here is Robbie Catter across rural Queensland today. Peter Bedell joining us this morning, rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is Monday morning, the 22nd of May, and we're talking state of origin. Peter Bedell joins us. Uh, the side has just been named, um, and Pete, good morning. Um, some big shocks for game one on the 31st of May when this state of origin side gets underway. Certainly is, Dobbo. Seven changes from the side that won last year's Epic Decider at Suncorp, and two of the bombshells, Dobbo, Dane Gagai dropped. His origin career appears over. And Kalen Ponga, the superstar Marone, who was the Game 3 hero, he's out of Origin 1, a huge call by Billy Slater. I can't get over the reasoning by it. Let's, let, let's just talk about it, for surely, because... All the talk has been that uh, there was so much to like about what Caelan Ponger had done and the way he played. He was outstanding. But Billy Slater has gone with Reese Walsh. I'll name the side um, that, that he's expected to run out come the 31st. Walsh at fullback, Murray Tuolungi on one wing, Val Holmes and the Hammer in the centres, Selwyn Cobbo and Cameron Munster, Daly Cherry Evans, the captain and the halfback. Flegler, Hunt, Lindsay Collins, Tom Gilbert, David Fafita and Patrick Carrigan. The bench, Harry Grant, Reuben Cotter, Tino, uh, he's obviously got a nervous weight, Jai Arrow and Tom Dearden will be the 18th man. It is a star-studded side and is a side picked on form. I just don't know whether or not they've got that right with Reese Walsh. I understand the theory behind it, Peter Bedell, but it is a very, very, very uh, risky move. Walsh has an error in him. Origin is a huge stage, and he's only early days in his career. Absolutely, Dobbo, and you make a good point about Caelan Ponga. I mean, for me, Dobbo, this is going to create days of discussion over his long-term welfare and his future in the game because I spoke to the Knights yesterday when I was chasing this team, and they assured me that Caelan Ponga was cleared. He had no issues with his concussions. Now, for those that didn't see, he copped a head knock in the game on Saturday. He came off after four minutes. He passed his HIA, went back to the field and played the rest of the game. I know the Maroons doctor checked on Ponga straight after the game. They were given assurances he was fine. So based on that, Dobbo, he should have been in the team. But Billy Slater, I'm told, has concerns about his welfare and has a duty of care in his mind to come on Ponga. And he's worried about whether he can survive 80 minutes of origin, which is a huge call. 
Uh, we're, we're obviously going into Charleville at 4VL in Charleville um, this morning, and Kurt Capewell dropped as well, who's been a real servant. Um, Dane Gagai out of the side as well. We know that obviously Kafusi would have been there bar the suspension. Um, Dearden obviously is 18th man, but the Capewell move comes as a shock, but they obviously with Fafita and Gilbert uh, are going on form at this moment. And destruction, but the old tried Tate um, and the old, you know, I suppose what what was it the the formula that Queensland had so much success on was that we pick and stick, and Billy has thrown that out. Well, Dobbo, I've got to be honest. I think it's a brilliant team. I mean, I would have picked Caelan Ponga, but given his concerns, I can understand. Reese Walsh is in superb form, and he's been electric. I I think he's ready. But I've got to say, Dobbo, with Capewell, I didn't have him in my original team that I picked about a month ago. I just felt that Kurt, while a very, very good club player, I just think he lacks a little bit of speed for origin level, and I don't think he offers the striking attack that David oh, Fafita and Tom Gilbert offer. Probably not in that, but he's done wonderful things in origin. I mean, he, he's oh, won them games. Right. He's won them games over the last few years. But, I, but it, it's more to the point, Pete, and and I understand what you're saying. And look, you know, Tom Gilbert has been huge. Fafita has been at his destructive best, and, and I'm pleased that he's back in there. But Moving forward, the the big thing about it is is how how does it go on? Like you know, there's obviously it's based on form now, and you know, Gagai, who's been an unbelievable servant, has never ever let down the Origin jersey ever. Um, he, he's not there. Ponga, who was man of the match in Game Three, was just unbelievable. Not there, and so you know, it is a very clear message from Billy Slater. Well, the other one, Dobbo, you make a good point, is Dane Gagoy. I mean, he's played 23 origins. I don't think I've ever seen a more consistent origin player than Dane Gagoy. How good has he been for the state? I mean, they always called him the origin specialist because he wasn't always great at club level, but you knew when you picked Dane Gagoy, he would step up and produce the games of his life. And look, I, I thought, I was told, Dobbo, he was in the centres up until Saturday when he had a shocker against the Sharks. He was outplayed by Connor Tracy. And that rang alarm bells ahead of a meeting with Latrell Mitchell at Origin 1 level. So they've gone with the Hammer, who, as we know, Dobbo, he's been playing the whole season at fullback for the Dolphins. But he's got speed, he's got size, and he's got youth. And I think, again, I think it's a smart move by Slater across the board. He's shown a lot of bravery by dropping some, some bombshells and making some big calls on established stars. But... This could be the future Dobbo that dominates Origin for the next 10 years. Yeah, and that's the thing that everybody needs to realise, that there has to be a changing of the guard. Game one in Adelaide, they've still got Munster, Cherry Evans, who's been in very good form. Um, and, you know, the Tuolungi pick, is it a risk considering? I mean, I know the combination with Val Holmes, but we also saw them have 66 points put on them on Saturday night against the West Tigers. So that also bodes as an issue. Yeah, a little bit of a risk, Dobbo, but I don't think they're really flush with options, the Maroons. I mean, I was thinking about the team myself, and I wouldn't have picked Xavier Coates. He wasn't in my team. And I, I had actually moved Dane Gagai to the wing and put Tammer in the centres. Tammer so Tabuo Fado for the listeners. So, look, I, I think it's still the right call by Slater. He's his thinking is that Murray has an established club pairing with our, our homes on that left edge. So there's some combinations there defensively for communication purposes. And I've got to say, Dobbo, across the board, I think it's a wonderful team. And the one big the one big other concern for me, Dobbo, is can Tom Flegler step up as Josh Papali's 
new enforcer, obviously Papa stood down. This is a huge assignment for Tom Flegler, who will be in the starting team in his second Origin game. Yeah. Let's see what he's got, because he has been erratic for the Broncos with his discipline. He's got to watch his discipline. Yeah, oh, that'll be huge. Quickly on New South Wales, Tavita Pengai Jr., our old sparring partner. <laughs> he's in the. He's going to be named in the Blues. I mean, what a turnaround! What a turnaround! I mean, we've always said it, Dobbo. We 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 love Tavita at the Broncos. He could. He's a look. He's a big personality. He's an enigmatic character. He. He's been erratic with his form for a long time, but on his day, he is one of the best forwards in the game. So congratulations to Tavita Pangor Jr. It's a huge call-up for him. Let's see if he can deliver. Peter Bedell, uh, we'll catch up with you throughout the week. Unbelievable. Um, you know, it, both teams picked on form. Um, that's the best thing about it. Both sides have been picked on form, and reputation means nothing. Thanks so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland today. No worries, Bobbo. Go to Maroon. Good on you. We'll catch up with Peter throughout the course of Origin. This is Rural Queensland Today. We'll take a break, come back with more. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Um, and look, this is a really good news story and one that we like to talk about. Mayor of the Maranoa Regional Council is Tyson Golder and he joins us this morning. Tyson, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us, mate. Yeah, good morning, Dobbo. How are you going? Living the dream, living the dream. Mate, um, the Roma Sayards is welcoming back the Raw Flying Doctor service for a charity sale um, on Tuesday, tomorrow. And after last year's sale, where you'll donate 50% of the live weight, I mean, obviously the market is a little bit cheaper, but a lot of money will be going to the Royal Flying Doctor Service off this donation. Yeah, it certainly will be, um, you know, like uh, certainly with the numbers and so forth that are going through at the moment with the dry season. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, hopefully going to do some good for the doctor. It's a... Um it's a big thing, um, and obviously you guys have got a lot of challenges in the Maranoa, but health services are at the forefront. Now, the Royal Flying Doctors, the fact that they are based there, the fact that you need them there, it is so crucial um, that we raise as much money. And um, doing these kind of things, I know me and Dara had a big event. They raised a lot of money. It's these kind of events that keep these things afloat. Yeah, they, it definitely does, and if you see – the work all around Queensland that the Flying Doctor does, um, really when they need to fill even primary health care in different areas, they fill that void. Uh, Flying Doctor actually does it better than what the feds or the state can do it a lot of the time. So they really, um, yeah, really come to the fore. But of course, uh, there probably wouldn't be anyone out here that's not doesn't know someone that wasn't affected by getting picked up by the flying doctor and get to medical treatment. So, you know, the more that we can do to support that, they generally use the money to buy uh, more equipment and it'll be staying in Queensland and, and probably even in the Maranoa and, and, and further afield. Yeah, you're dead right. Um, and one that, you know, we all uh, are aware of. Mate, challenges, I mean, you've got housing crisis. Geez, you've got some dramas. And it's not just the Maranoa, but surrounding areas. You're really not getting the fair run of the stick from um, the state government. And gee whiz, you've got some challenges out there in Roma. And, and like everyone, how, how are you guys dealing with the housing shortage and the housing crisis is taking place across the state? Uh, well, we're doing a couple of things. One is we're negotiating on some land um, that's actually ready to go. And if we um, we basically get that deal over the line, then council can start building uh, some houses. But, we'd, but I would like to see that we would do it 
way better by using local builders to build houses. So the quality of the houses, they understand the soil types and all the rest of it. So, yeah, so I think um, building houses um, like like a slow burn rather than this boom and bust cycle um, and putting some quality stock in the market, uh, maybe it's an opportunity to be able to lease them to business because business is saying all the time they can't bring staff here because of the lack of housing. I think it's nearly in every town in Queensland. Um, so that's one thing. And then we've also got some other land we're talking about releasing uh, for a different size blocks, more acreage and that. So, um, you know, but that. Uh, but if we do get this deal over the line with this land, it's actually ready to go. You could start building houses on it as soon as you owned it. So, you know, that will be really good. Well, that, that's a big thing. And, and, and trying to obviously keep locals staying there, that's the biggest thing as well, isn't it? Trying to yeah. make sure that you've got your – people don't leave. I mean, you've got – everybody's got a health crisis. It's, it's ridiculous. But trying to keep – services there that's been what your biggest challenge has been yeah that's it and the other one that uh i took to council and it was uh proved that we go out and we actually asked in childcare is another huge one and um uh talking to people you know you generally hear that it's only staff that stops childcare happening and you know relatively low pay in that but um we think that there's some other options that might come up that they might need a building or they need something to be able to start a childcare because that's the other thing that's really on people's mind is uh, childcare uh, and not being able to get it. You know, sometimes they have to, before they've even had a child, they need to sort of plan to, to get on the waiting list. So, you know, and that's pretty common in in towns in um, Queensland as well. So, so what's yeah, the answer there? Things. What's the answer there, mate? Uh, well, basically, <clears throat> what we're going to do is put out an expression of interest and say, tell us how you could do childcare and what's stopping you doing it. Meaning, like, it could be a non-for-profit group that want to do childcare, but they haven't got a building. Or it could be anything like that. So, you know, it's not just the big corporate sector that, you know, because they sort of are struggling getting people. So, you know, we don't mind how childcare happens because, all of the people that might move to those non-for-profit groups, if they're going to provide childcare, well, then that's a win for just freeing up um, capacity, you know. So, um, yeah, and I think um, communities generally always got the answer. There's some passionate people. So to give everyone the same job, if we if we basically say, tell us how you can provide childcare in the Maranoa, then we can look at um, whether the council wants to um, fund that or help with the gap, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, um, sometimes, some of those non-for-profits might do it through wanting to get a grant or something. So we might be able to look at um, can we start them off with an amount of money or something, you know. So I know out west, further, you know, councils um, own the childcare's and provide the staff and do a lot of different things. So you know, we're closer in, so it might be a model where. Um, they just need to be kicked off with something, you know. So, um, but anything to get more childcare because that's the other one, and and then probably the biggest one that's also weighing on people's mind is the crime issue. That's know? the biggest yeah. thing, mate. It is very youth crime is at the forefront. It is a massive issue. Yeah, definitely. And I'm actually looking at having a public meeting about it because um, I want to hear like some of the stories 
um, it's almost like we've got to get the government to change because I think it's a self-made issue by going soft on kids. And if you actually care about the children doing this stuff, you, you're actually doing a really disservice to them because um, one day they're going to kill someone and then it'll be on their conscience for the rest of their lives. So, you know, so it's really sad with cars being getting out of control. And, and then there again, it's happening in most towns. So it, it never used to happen to that uh, length, but I think they've gone soft on the uh, penalties. Um, they even tell me some of the kids, um, there's no consequences for stealing a car. And that's really bizarre. You know? Yeah. So, it, it, um, it, it is really bizarre and it's something, if you have a public forum, I think a lot of people will be more than happy to be involved and part of that. Hey, Tyson, great to chat. I hope it goes well tomorrow. More people that sell there tomorrow, the council will donate 50% of the proceeds um, from their, their um, obviously, charges to the Royal Flying Doctors. Thanks so much for being with us this morning, mate. Thanks, Dobbo. Have a great day. Good on you, Tyson Golder. We'll take a break. Come back. Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Let with Robbie Catter, leader of the Catter Party, who joins us this morning. And Rob, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, there's no two ways about it. Um, but there is a huge, huge thing that took place in your neck of the woods. A meteorite or something has uh, landed, and, and I saw some vision um, on social media over the course of the weekend. Mate, just step us through what actually has gone on. Well, uh, it's about 9.30 on Saturday night. There was a big light flash, and, and um, mate, I, I, I feel like pretty ignorant and a bit of a fool when I talk about it because I don't know all the right terminology yet, but they said what would have been a sonic boom, like a, a big thud, um, and that rattled every house in Croydon, and one station said, you know, rattled the dust off the roof, rattled the wall, and there were air conditioners in the walls, all that sort of thing. And um, the light that came from it, you know, there was a big football carnival in Normanton that night, at, um, but people in Mount Isa saw it, and they said, people as far as Mackay could see the effect of the light. And um, so there's an impact from a what they say is a meteorite. And, um, you know, everyone was pretty lit up around the area and and um, everyone, like myself, just now wants to know what it was, what's going on and uh, do they – something that, that – like someone said, um, candidly on with social media, well, you know, million of these things hit every year or whatever in, in around the world. But I tell you what, I've never heard of one in my lifetime. So never, ever, ever. <laughs> no, the, the footage is harrowing. And it's scary. Yeah. And the fact that the Bureau of Meteorology had no idea or there was no tracking of it or no understanding of it. But well, that, that's the concerning thing. Like, well, I mean, you know, like, wh- 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 was there any notice? What happens if it lands in a town? What happens if it hits at Normandon? Like, do, do you know what I mean? There, there's no warning, nothing. Well, that's, you know, that's how I figure it. And I just, I'm just concerned that, like, it was on someone's desk or someone saw something and um, sort of said, well, it's just going to hit up the golf, who cares? And because, uh, you know, if, if something was going to hit um, one of the more populated areas of Australia, I'm sure they'd be jumping up and down and there mightn't be a lot you can do, but at least you'd um, you'd know about it. And uh, it would have been good if there was some, um, uh, and I, as I understand it, there, there is some, like, observance of things in the skies that they do put in warnings and that sort of thing, stuff that one was taken down for media, uh, potential media hitting. Um, hitting the earth, so uh, 
Look, I don't know, mate. I, I'm pretty ignorant with it all, but I well, know, we, yeah, I'm, you're I'm rightly so. Oh, hundred percent, you are. A hundred percent, you are, and it's scary for the people um, of the central and northwest that had to go through that. Um, mate, look, look, can we talk about first home owners grants? And I, I, yeah. I am absolutely, in a lot of lot of ways. Uh, over the last two to three years, been completely disillusioned. But a recent announcement of the federal government included some amendments to the Home Guarantee Scheme and other pro- policies that were announced affecting homeowners and home buyers. Now, I'm not quite sure that that this is enough, but we need to go wider. In and, and you've clearly stated that. Yeah, mate. There's um, you know, all these schemes they make up, they're great. Yeah, I'm sure they they're good for some purpose, but they're no good for Western Queensland. So, you know, outside of a couple of the big the big regional cities, you don't see um, you don't see a lot of new homes bought, especially in North Queen North Queensland and might say Northwest Queensland. It's just you know the economics doesn't stack up if you if you're going to um, you know the land value um, won't take you through um, that capital growth that you need. To recoup the cost of a new house, so if you're spending four hundred, five hundred thousand new house, well, uh, you most likely can't recoup that in a lot of remote regional towns. So the first home buyers grant is, you know, just pointless and out of reach. And it's, but you know, it's good for people in the city, uh, young couples that got no other option than buying out in the estates, where they can offer really affordable packages, and they know they're going to get their money back, and the bank will lend them the money. But um, you know, Newton and Dewey Creek, Richmond, places like that. Um, you're not going to get the loan for something that big, and the whole scheme just becomes completely irrelevant. But um, you know what we have. Let's take Yundan for example. There used to be two thousand people live there, and you still got the same amount of houses. Not many houses have been pulled down, but now there's only a thousand people living there, and everyone's saying there's a housing shortage in Yundan. So you know people's demands have changed. They won't live in an old, um, you know, battered old house, and uh, they want you know bigger spaces. But no one's going to do those houses up. And if uh, you know a lot of those are just going to be left uh, left withering on the vine unless there's some sort of stimulus. But if you extended the first home buyers grant to existing homes, where by um, and you know that I, would take I, a lot of pressure off, wouldn't it? Like if, if there was you, homes you that people could get into that, and people want to buy a better home in those towns that they could afford. Like if you know you would allow somebody rather than having to build it. I mean that that, yep. that 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 fills those towns. That 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 keeps the economy much better. And you're right. Like I understand in in the cities it doesn't have to work, but regionally there has to be some loopholes. Um, and it can't be one shoe fits all. It just can't be. And in this case, that makes a lot more sense to me than anything else. Like I, I mean, the the biggest problem that we have is that is that they don't. They, I don't necessarily think that they are aware of this and they don't really want to change it. It, it. it seems to me like it's all a bit too hard, Rob. Well, you know, and I hate to say it, but it's just like we're always just an afterthought. And um, it wouldn't, you know, we're not talking about big numbers and that that's sort of a good thing for the government because it wouldn't be like they put a hand out for a lot, but it would really stimulate these towns. You could, uh, it'd be the first opportunity in many years that a lot of those old houses could be done up because, you know, it could work like if you if you demonstrate you spend a hundred grand on renovations, you get your twenty grand first home buyers, and uh, you know, so it's a good opportunity to do those houses up, take the pressure because if they're not going to live in New England, they're going to move back to somewhere like Townsville or Brisbane, and you're going to keep congesting those places and putting pressure on the houses there. So they can take the pressure off the cities, 
and uh, reinvigorate all the housing in those towns. And um, so, yeah, they need to they need to look, need to look a bit wider. We've, we've been talking about this for a few years now in the KAP, oh, yeah. but it's, um, it's something we're going to stick with. Yeah, I think you should. Mate, quickly with the banks, the Senate uh, Rural and Regional Affairs and Transport Committee held a public hearing in Cloncurry last week into the bank closures for regional Australia. Now, you've made submissions yeah. to speak at the hearing. However, this submission was declined. I'm, I'm, I'm going to repeat that. You, you live in there. It's your electorate. You made a submission to speak at the hearing. However, your submission was declined. Oh, 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 <laughs> What? Why? Like, I mean, well, I'm laughing. No, I'm, I'm laughing, yeah. Rob, because it's just so embarrassing. I, I, like, well, yeah. mate, I, I was pretty upset. And to be fair, they said you can turn up in the public, you know, gallery, and you know there might be time for questions afterwards. But um, even with Labor and the state government, if you make a submission, they say, come along. Yet we'll give you time to speak. And um, I got just the opposite on this, which I was really angry about because I. I chaired the Rural Debt and Drought Task Force. I was a property value for 15 years, most of that working in rural areas, in you know, in the field of banking. And, um, and you know, I've been pushing for um, the uh, rural bank stuff for years. And, um, yeah, to be denied that. And I, quite frankly, I think they missed the boat on a, on a lot of it. They, they're talking about services in the banks, which is really important. But there's hard, you know, hardly been any discussion at all about the inability or the, you know, the... Um, the refusal of the banks to lend money in these areas about the lending. Um, you know, they're talking about the services, like, you know, can't access cash and for the races or community groups and everything. That's that's important and that's a part of it. But the much bigger thing is banks are no longer lending money to buy houses or businesses in the rural areas. And that's not being addressed. And that's what I wanted to raise. And, um, you know, every report I've seen on it so far, they're just talking about the service uh, delivery of these banks in the town. And, Again, that's that's something, and it's important, but it misses one of the more significant points that if you don't have banks lending to buy houses and businesses in the west western areas, you're going to continue to decline, and uh, that's a really big, uh, really big challenge. And you know, to add to that, although Christine Holgate, when she was head of Australia Post, was she'd poached people from ANZ, she was putting it all together to start an Australia Post bank. Like the Kiwi Bank, they've done exactly the same thing in New Zealand to fix that exact same problem, and they got rid of her. So, um, and both major parties were implicated in that. So, I'm, you know, hundred percent they were. A hundred percent they were. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're dead right, mate. I really appreciate your time this morning. They, it is embarrassing that you couldn't be a part of that, um, and no doubt you're frustrated. Uh, look, it, it, there's so much going on, mate. I just hope that for the people, and I mean that about the meteorite hitting out there. That that was the biggest story over the weekend. The fact that no. the fact that that couldn't happen um, to me is scary, um, and, and I mean that genuinely. That no one was aware. Uh, no doubt you'll get some answers this week, and we might even touch base with you a bit later in the week just to get uh, some sort of. Uh, complete understanding about what is going on. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate your concern, Dolby. Thanks, Brian. On rural Queensland today, across the Resonate Broadcast Network, it is the 22nd of May. A very good morning to everybody. Ben Dolby with you this morning, and so much to get through, but a great news story uh, for a Western Queensland photographer, Lisa Alexander. She was re- recently judged with one of her photos, uh, best landscape photo in the overall Queensland Rural Photo of the Year at the Rural Press Club of Queensland Media Awards last December. 
and now it's been published and been viewed and showcased around the world. She joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. This is a great story. Lisa, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning, Ben. Thanks for having me. Uh, what a great story. I've got to ask, um, and I'm, I'm fascinated with these kind of things, um, how one gets into photography. I mean, Western Queensland is a beautiful part of the world um, and you live and breathe it. But then to go, right, I'm going to start, you know, taking photos and, and entering photography competitions and, and and it's obviously clearly a passion. How you got around to being in that and on a property um, outside outside of Western Queensland and living there, how it actually inspired you to take up this trade? Um, I think it's just been a bit of a journey then. So I've always been interested in photography and where we live, and our surrounding landscapes and lifestyle um, has always fascinated me. And it's just about capturing those moments, you know, to preserve a memory. Because, you know, as we all know, time changes and we love looking back on photos from history and how and looking at how much everything has changed. And so I just love to document those moments. Um, and that's probably what inspires me the most. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously there's so much going on. Um you, you win some of these, and the, the, the photo that won was a drone shot that captures the patterns made by the flooding in the channels at Windora. And this week it was announced, can, I can't believe it, the winner of the na- Nature Landscape section of the Australian Star Prize for Rural Photography. Um, that's managed by the Australian Council of Agricultural Journalists. I mean, are you pinching yourself a little bit? Like, seriously? Yes, it is It is a bit, um, it is amazing. It's yeah, it is amazing. It was actually a selection. There was about five photos that were entered, so it wasn't just the one image. But that that one image has obviously captured, you know, the attention of a lot of people since I have taken it. But yeah, it is. It is pretty amazing. I'm, it's, I am still pinching myself. When you when you snap at, with a drone shot, and I get it, and you come down and you look at it, and you, I suppose you print it off and you you look at it again. Do you just do you just shake your head in disbelief and just go, "Wow, I've taken this," and then for it to be shared and 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 gone global? I, I mean, you're still just a humble humble person up a property in Blackhall who just loves a passion of photography, and now it's going global. Yeah, it is. Um, it probably it it is a bit hard for me to absorb. I, to me, I just go out and take a photo, and it was amazing. It was it was taken at Windora um, just of before the sun rose. In the morning, and it was pretty cool. And I did just put the drone up, but it was just at the. It was just the moment. It was just the right time, the right height, the right angle. Because I could not get that again. Um, even the next morning, I tried. I went up on the top of the next morning. I still couldn't get it. Um, so yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was just, just um, all my stars lined up that day. It was perfect. So what happens now? You win these kind of awards, and I'm always fascinated in a photography award. What do you win? What what, what do you win in a photography award? Um, (laughs) Recognition. (laughs) Depends on the competition. So there's no cash and prizes and a new new cannon. There's there's not a lot there. Yeah, okay. No. Okay, we just get bragging rights. yeah, with the with the um the rural press club Queensland rural press press club award, there was some cash. Um, but yeah, I'm not not in the next stage. I guess you know just going to you know the next step, which is the international um, international federation of ag journalists in, in Canada, which is where the images will go on to next. I mean that in itself is pretty amazing. That you know it's not about winning money or awards or anything like that. It's it's 
me. I just love to do it. So will you, will you yeah. go over? Will you go overseas uh, when and and watch when your photos get? Will you stay put and just wait and see? Um, no, I'll probably just wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of camera do you use? Can I ask that? Yeah, I use um, I use Canon Canon mirrorless R six, and I use RF lenses, and I use a DJI drone. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, people. How do people get into it? I mean, is it very trial and error? Is that is that like? And I can understand there's schools and there's people to help and YouTube. But you know, are there are there pathways for people to get into it? I think. Well, I think there is. I also teach online uh, photography um, beginner courses, so anyone can do that. But it's a passion, really. I mean, I think it's like anything. You've got to love what you do, and when you love what you do. It's so much easier yeah, it to put is. that time into it, yep. and so I think really that's what it comes down to. It, I mean, running a business because it is for me, it is a full time business. It it does you know like anything. The photography is actually probably a quarter, and then three quarters is three quarters of my time is running the back end of the business. So unbelievable for yep. me, it is full time. Yeah. Yep. Congratulations. Great to chat. Phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. Western Queensland photographer, Lisa Alexander, it's a pleasure to have you on Rural Queensland today. Thanks so much, Ben. Good on you. We're going to take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today on this Monday morning, the 22nd of May. Have a great day, Queensland, and we will be back tomorrow morning from 9am as it all hots up regarding state of origin. A huge, huge week ahead. Uh, We will keep you abreast of everything. Uh, Obviously, some shock this morning uh, with Kurt Capewell not being selected, uh, as I understand. Um, And look, we will try our hardest, obviously, to give you everything that's going on across Across the week uh, on rural Queensland today. Stay safe on the roads and remember when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Ben Dobbin at Spotify, rural Queensland today. You can download any of our previous episodes. Go to our Facebook page, like that as well. And also, Ray Hadley is joining you next. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. Till next time, it's bye for now.